Hey and welcome to our Heralds podcast, produced by Women's Ministries of the Salvation Army New Zealand, Fiji, Tonga and Samoa. I'm your host Rosie Keane from the Territorial Women's Ministries Department. Join us each episode to hear the courageous stories of Wahine Toa, mighty woman, to spur you on in your mission with Jesus Christ in the everyday. Psalm 68:11 says, The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim the good news are a mighty army. We are those women, and we are that army. We are so excited today to be joined by Gemma Cornish, uh, who's just come back from exhibiting at New Zealand Fashion Week. Um, She's very kindly agreed to um, speak with us today about her heart for mission, about her passion for design, and about who she is um, as a woman of faith. So um, we're really excited to get to know her. Um, Gemma, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, It is such an honour to have you with us um, on the Herald's podcast. So (laughs) our um, whole mission is to platform women and see um, just what it is that makes them tick. And I have heard so much about you. (laughs) You're too sweet. (laughs) So you just came back from um, New Zealand Fashion Week where you had an entire exhibition Mm -hmm. called Coastal Pop. Yeah. And I tell us about this. How did you get where you are? Yeah, it's been like the past six months has been like a crazy journey. So only I finished my four year degree studying Bachelor of Design last year. So in a space of six months, I guess I've started my own business. I only graduated I think in May. Um, and then I showed I showed it um, ID International Emerging Designer Awards, uh, which was like very successful and I won the award for like most commercial collection which I think was kind of like the beginning like it was a really good platform like launching me forward um and so from there like I've been obviously working very hard on my business and then only a couple of weeks ago I launched my I actually launched my own label where the Wellington Mayor actually hosted my launch event which was super cool to have all of Wellington behind me um and then I think only like a month ago, I got an email from the organisers of the ID competition that I was a part of in May, uh, asking if I was interested to show in their showcase at New Zealand Fashion Week. And I was like, of course, <laughs> definitely wow. like not say no to that, because that's obviously like as a designer, that's always like your big dream and goal to show at like New Zealand Fashion Week. Um, so do all that in six months has been insane, but super cool. <laughs> That's incredible. Is that quite unusual to be able to exhibit in New Zealand Fashion Week in such a short period from being, you know, like having just graduated? Is that un- an unusual thing to have happen? Um, I think, so during the week they have like a graduate show, which sometimes, usually our university would be a part of, but this is the first year that they decide not to be a part of, um, <laughs> which is kind of like, ah, oh, like that was like such a goal of mine. Um, so there can be some like group shows where you can be a part of it um, at this like I guess early start of your career um, but yeah I think it's like obviously not an opportunity everybody gets straight out of like design school so it's super cool. <laughs> So your collection winning um, most commercial, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Does that what does it mean to be? Is that most sellable? Is that most marketable? Yeah, yeah. So I think I got that award because I think they saw 
they really liked my approach to the collection, which was about filling a gap in the market. There's nothing like that on the market, and it was addressing a need um, that there was this opening for, uh, which I really liked that approach. And so, yeah, it's obviously was for like being the most like marketable and like filling that gap and like addressing an issue, um, which was cool. <laughs> For those who are unfamiliar, go check out Gemma's brand. It's Gemma Lee, G-E-M-M-A-L-E-E. -E -E, and she is just all over the internet at the moment with her designs, her collection. Um, so tell us more. As you said, you met a need, a gap in the market. Mm -hmm. So for those unfamiliar, what is it that you've been designing and what yeah. need was it meeting? So I, uh, I guess I filled a gap for like designer wetsuits in beautiful colours. As most people know, they're like, Plain black, boring, very dominated by male styles and fit. They're not all that flattering for girls. <laughs> it's just not a good time. Um, and I guess growing up, I was a competitive swimmer and I did a lot of ocean swimming, a lot of ocean sports. And I would obsess over like the most gorgeous swimwear. They'd be like bright colors, pretty backs. And then like I'd go check like a black wetsuit on top of it, which is so depressing. <laughs> all this effort into this pretty swimsuit and then I put a black one over. Um, and so I guess through my studies, I always knew I was like, I guess the goal was that I would love to be like a swimwear or sportswear designer. And then that last year, I don't know, it must have been like God-given ideas, like bing. And it was like such a, I was like, that is a genius idea. And like I knew leaving university, I kind of wanted to like leave my mark of like where I want to go in the industry um, so that I was coming out of uni with an idea and I knew who I was as a designer, what I wanted to be. And I think the best way to leave uni is kind of like having your own voice and doing something different. If I was just like a swimwear designer that just did like pretty swimwear all the time kind of thing, it would be very hard to make a dent into the industry because it's such like a saturated market. And so you kind of have to find that like point of difference and that genius like idea to make your way in, which I think why I have had so much success so far fast in a short amount of time is because you had that new idea that people are like wow why has no one thought of that before um yeah so like with doing like the colorful wetsuits obviously like that's kind of scary because nobody's done that before so it's makes like the whole journey a lot lot harder because you have to do a lot more like research and more testing into it and like there's a lot more difficulties because no one's done it before so it's like okay how do we approach this um but been a great learning <laughs> learning experience and yeah it's I'm starting to see it all come to life now um so yeah it's all, all been worth it <laughs> that's amazing so you have been um an ocean sports swimmer you've mm -hmm. um been swimming most of your life um uh, how do you feel that having been a woman and being um in these different environments especially competitively, that that helps shape your understanding of design and functionality as yeah. well as the beautiful aesthetic of what you're producing now. Yeah, I think it definitely influences like my design a lot now because it's not, I'm not coming from a place where it's all oh, just been about fashionable and being pretty. Like when I was a competitive swimmer, like I needed functionality and fashion. <laughs> um, and so like, if it didn't cut like the functionality aspect, then it's like, well, it's a no-go. I'm not going to wear that because it's not going to do what I need it to do. Um, so I think functionality has always been like the top of, like the top priority. 
and then it's like how can I apply something beautiful to this afterwards um so yeah <laughs> that's so cool I can see from your whole aesthetic that you love beautiful things like how else do you find beauty in your life so as a designer you're designing mm-hmm. beautiful aesthetical things every day where else do you find beauty um I probably find it a lot in I think God's creation like I don't know, he inspires me so much because I like look at this world and I look at like, I guess the like scenery, I'm like, man, like he is like the most creative person, like, oh, it's insane. Like, especially when I think as well, I'm like, oh, like every country, it's almost like you hear this like new mood board and this new like, you know, like they're just, oh, it's amazing. I'm like, far out, he's like the most creative person ever. And like, I know he like creates us in his like, in a, a reflection of his own image. So I'm like got a bit of part of that in me. <laughs> um, yeah, so I find a lot of inspiration, I think, in God's creation. It's, like, amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. So I know that you go to Miramar Sawashnami. Um, you're surrounded by a faith community. Um, you've spoken before uh, in the newspapers and stuff about you going to church. So how does your faith mm-hmm. um, inspire you as you design, as you go about creating your business, yeah. as you go about being the motivated person you are? Yeah, I think from the very beginning, like I wanted, I guess, God to be the center of what I was doing, my business. Um, and I wanted to, like, I guess, use the gifts that he gave me to, like, design and be creative, I guess, to glorify him. And I really want that to be the core of it. And so, like, in everything that I've done, I've always been like, you know, God's will be done. I want it to be done his way, uh, which sometimes has made it a lot harder. Um, I think, like, looking on, like, the ethical side, like, as a Christian, like, obviously we have, like, these moral standards and, like, values and like to me it was like the journey was just not worth it I was not going to do it if I couldn't do it ethically um and so that actually made it like obviously a lot harder at the beginning when I was trying to find like manufacturers and things like I think it took like oh it took weeks and weeks and weeks to find one because it was hard to find someone that met those standards Mm -hmm. and when they're not in the same country as you that can like add so many more like difficulties with it and then you have people being like, oh, maybe just for like the first collection, just find anyone to do it and then you can worry about that later. And so it was hard having those like little people like talking into your ears saying that, uh, which can be quite demoralizing. But I always knew that, you know, like this whole journey wasn't worth it to me if I was like hurting people to do it. Like that's, no, it's going to do that. Um, and so, yeah, so I think as well through this journey when there's like been big moments and I'm like, oh, I really want this. But then, like, I remember that I need to give it all to God. And if I get this, like, it's God's let let God's will be done kind of thing. So, like, if I don't get it, then that's all good. That's not God's plan for it. And just having peace with that, that brings me a lot of peace, knowing that, like, if it's right and that's what he wants for it, it will happen. If it's not, then, like, he's got something else installed. And I think I've seen that a lot, like, throughout this journey. So he is definitely at the heart of it all. <laughs> That's beautiful. So for people who will be listening or watching this, I mean, they'd see you are young and bright and beautiful and successful <laughs> and funny, and they might um, it might sometimes be hard to understand um, for others that you have struggled through mm. these things, that there have been times when 
you know, that hasn't all worked out. Mm. So it's not just an idle, um, oh yeah, what will be, will be. Mm. Que sera, sera. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a real active statement of faith. Yeah. So um, I was reading uh, a bit about you and when you were younger, you had um, an accident when you were swimming or so that meant you couldn't swim mm. anymore. What was that like? Tell us about that. Yeah, that was, I think that was in my f- first year of uni. Um, so obviously I swam all my life. I'd been swimming competitively since I was seven so like and I think I stopped when I was about 20 so for most of my life that's all I knew and like swimming morning night that was like so deeply ingrained in me um and one day after class I was walking down this like kind of like this track down to my car I was like a little bit like dodgy not very even and as a swimmer I have very like flexible ankles so it's very easy for it to like just ping out and do gross things um, and so I rolled my ankle and then fell forward and so I was in like a lot of pain then I was all by myself so I like hobbled back to my car in tears um, and I'd never been in so much pain um, and so we just thought it was like a bad sprain and so I like obviously took some time off swimming for that um, and the x-rays didn't show like anything was broken and so after like a month or so like I went back to swimming and like started training and I still didn't know why I was in so much pain and like it was really hard because I'd actually had an injury the year beforehand um, which is, it was a weird thing, it was called costochondritis which is like inflammation like between your sternum and your rib cage. so it hurts when you breathe and like there was no reasoning why I got it, I just got it so it was very like mentally it was very hard um, because you're watching people do things that you can't do and it's something that's so part of you and you love it like it was mentally hard um so to just come back from that and then re-injure myself with my foot um I found that really hard and so I would be like training and a lot of pain and then I got I guess more tests a couple of months later and then I found out that I was actually broken that whole time (laughs) so that explains why I was in so much pain so then I obviously stopped again then I was in the moon boots. It was a very long recovery because I had obviously done so much more damage to it because I didn't know it was broken and I kept working on it. Um, I have like obviously being a swimmer you have that mindset you just like block out that pain so you keep going longer than you should. Um, and so I think I was like in a moon boot for like eight months and it was it was not a good time and during that time obviously like it made me reflect on a lot of things like do I want to keep swimming now that I'm like 20 and I'm studying like because I keep getting injured and it was really hard and so I kind of came to that point because it was so mentally draining seeing people do things I couldn't do and it was took such a toll on me um, that I would stop because I just couldn't watch people do things that I couldn't do anymore um, and it was a really hard time like in a way like when I try to explain it to people I'm like it's kind of like you you grieve over it. it's like you're losing a part of you and so like I went through like a massive grieving process over that. Um, it was a hard time, but like, yeah, it definitely makes you stronger. And like, it's through that whole thing, like, has been able to, I guess, like, swap into my fashion design that whole mindset as well. Um, so I guess that was like definitely the turning point when I put all my energy and focus into fashion design. I was like, no, this is the next chapter of my life now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was hard at the time, but it's okay now. (laughs) 
don't understand undersell yourself there because I think when you have something that's been such a huge part of your life it's like a big backpack mm. and then there's like a small opening through a wall to the next part and you grieving that means you really must have let that go in order to enter into the next part you know yeah. you take the pack off yeah. you leave it behind and in that step of faith that leaving everything you've ever known mm. like that's a huge sacrifice and a huge letting go and allowing God to breathe life into that. And yeah. you can just see on your life that God's really honoured that step of faith. Was there anything that you prayed in that time, like over yourself, you know, like a mantra or something repeatedly that you're yeah. crying out to God as you were figuring out how to let go and get into yeah. the next part? Yeah, I remember because that was like, I found that a very tough time in my life. And I remember just praying for like peace and I always remember that verse that's um God will always use every situation for his good um and so I was I remember praying during that time like this is awful this is like I did not enjoy the situation at all but somehow there's a good coming out of this and I didn't know what that was at the time and like I'm like I can't I can't figure out how there's any good in this but I knew that you know God keeps his promise and there's something good from this um and so I remember really relying heaply, like deeply on that verse um so yeah and I think through it now during like looking back I can see how that played out and how he did use that for his good like it turned that my passion from like swimming and all my experience to then put it into like I guess this whole new level of like put it into design now um so he did in the long term but at the time it was it was hard <laughs> I think what you said is really beautiful um at the start you said all of us have a reflection of God um, within us. We're all in the image of God. So this creativeness, this throwing back to the creator as well, is part of what um, has inspired you, has made you so successful. Um, and I think that it's a wonderful reminder for all of us that um, whether or not we think we're creative or can paint or um, sew or play rugby or whatever it is, each of us reflect the creator God. And that's a beautiful thing that we're seeing um, in your life. <laughs> It's very cool. So what are some of the um, colours? We'll add a link um, in the description of some of your collections. Mm -hmm. um, so what are some of the colours of these wetsuits? You've said that they're yeah. bright, they're beautiful. We were talking earlier about how um, the quote of um, when you see a whole bunch of surfers in the ocean, they look like a flock of sharks. <laughs> School of sharks? I don't know. A bunch of sharks because yeah. it's all black. So yeah. your um, wetsuits are creative. They're full of colour. Like what kind of colours are we talking yeah. about? Yeah. Um, so I have my favourite colour is yellow. So there's definitely a bit of yellow in it. And it's just, it's got yellow, pink, oranges. And that actually started back from looking at colour psychology. And so I looked into, I guess, colours that kind of reflected like a summer state of mind. So I looked at like those colours that would like make you happy and just how you feel in the summertime like um so that's where it started from and so I've kind of sort of kept that as like my core colour palette and sometimes I add like other colours but it's always that that summer state of mind I've decided summer isn't just a season it's like a year-long like mindset um <laughs> yeah I'll dress for summer in the winter <laughs> um but yeah so that's actually where the colour palette came from originally your latest collection, how does that differ from your first collection mm -hmm. that won the Dunedin ID Award? Yeah. What's the kind of difference between the two? Or so, similar. Similar. Still alone with me. Just going from there. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think my pop collection, I think that really was like a statement of who I wanted to be as a designer and going forward, kind of like seeing those standards. Um, 
so with my pop collection I was inspired by a lot like the pop art era in the late 60s um, and that was just like very graphic prints and so moving forward that was kind of who I was as, as a designer I liked the graphic prints and I kind of like looking back on the pop art era and so I kind of took my like new inspiration um, so for Coastal Pops my inspiration was um, it was actually from a holiday in February um, we went to Manly Beach in Sydney in Australia and I was again just so inspired by like God's beauty it was so beautiful like the most golden sands I've ever seen and just like the colours and the textures and the rocks it's just it was so beautiful and even from like um, when the water washes up onto the sand and then it leaves all these different layers of colours um, and like depths of the sand and I just, I just thought it was beautiful um, and so I took that inspiration and then took it into my like I guess my design style of like the graphic pop art um, style and then took it from there um, yeah so are you naturally quite a contemplative person uh, or did you have to um, practice some of these kind of mindfulness things of being aware of God's creation um I think it has been a journey, like as I've got, as I've grown up and got closer to God and built a stronger relationship with him, I think I'm just more aware of it and I think that's where I find my peace. So you were telling me earlier that what helped you get into study was the Salvation Army um, had a special fund that you applied to. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Um, yeah, so they had the um, Academic Strategic Mission Fund, um, which I applied for going into my first year of study. And I think that was the first year they had in implemented it. And so I remember at that time, my sister, she was the um, youth leader at that time, and she was telling us all about it. And like I knew I was going to study fashion design, and I, I guess I'd known that since I was a little kid, because that's what I decided I wanted to be. Um, and I think it was like, in that discussion, like it made me real. I think it fit all of the, like, the puzzles pieces all together because um, in my last year, at the end of my last year, I actually traveled over to Tanzania. And so during that trip, I think that was really eye-opening and that was the first time I was like, man, whatever I do, I want to use it to like give back to these people and like fight social like injustice and issues. Um, and then when I heard about that, I was like, oh, that just makes sense, like how everything fits together. Like I want to use my like design and my skills and talents to then use it as a platform to give back to people in need um and so like i worked on the application process and applied for it and i was i wasn't sure how it's going to go because i think there is sometimes that like mindset when people hear you're studying fashion design like oh that's a little bit superficial like there's not a lot of depth to that kind of thing um like how can you use that for something good and I always knew that I wanted to use it for something good. There was like a deeper reason why I was doing it. Um, and so I put that forth to um, the board who were going through the applications. And it was cool to see that they obviously understood where I was coming from and they got it and they could see like, actually, that's like a whole new, I guess, way of thinking to be able to help people. Like, because I think people who were studying like law and like studying all these other more academic things, like it's quite obvious to see how that could help people. But when you say you're studying fashion design, people are a little bit like, oh, I'm not too sure. Um, so it was cool to see that they got it. Um, and it was amazing to have their support for every year of my study, uh, which, I, yeah, has been incredible. <laughs> 
That's so cool. So what was your vision? So you um, were saying you want it to give back, you want to be helping people in need, um, you're being inspired by God's creation as you design um, everything that you're doing in these collections. Uh, where can you see this leading as you go forwards? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a wild dreamer, so I have big dreams. <laughs> um, so I guess from here, like, I definitely want to use this like as a platform for greater things. Um, and so I guess like from this get go, I was making a statement by being like, this is ethical and like my fabric is all sourced ethically. And so like, obviously that was a lot harder to get to. Um, but moving forward, like, I want to use that as a way to eventually shed light on like social issues and to be able to like give back in people in need and like be able to help issues that I'm really passionate about. Um, and then also just to be able to use it as like a platform, I guess, to show how like God has worked in my life um, and how amazing and incredible it is when you just like give it all to him and take that leap of faith. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping, yeah, for like great things to come, hopefully. <laughs> I can see that happening for you already. <laughs> Thank That's you. so cool. So you go to Miramar Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, Hannah, who we interviewed um, in the first episode of our podcast, is also from Miramar. Obviously, great things are happening here at the <laughs> um, How did you get involved with the Salvation Army Miramar? Yeah, so I, I feel like I grew up there. So I started going there when I was really young. I can't remember now. Um, and I've just been in like a really been with a cool really cool bunch of people in my same like age um bracket and we've just grown up together there and it's been really cool to be accountable to people um that know your like visions and dreams and like share the same values and love for God as you do and so it's been a really good environment to grow up in um yeah (laughs) Hannah and I were talking about that in episode one, about how important it is to surround yourself with people who are like-minded, who are drawing you into the presence of God, and who you want to kind of turn out like. So do you have um, mentors, or people who are older than you, or even the same age, who um, you really look to, and who inspire you in your faith? Yeah, I think it's definitely through this journey, it hasn't been like a one like mentor person that's helped me, it's kind of... I feel like everyone individually has something different to offer, so it's definitely been like multiple individuals that have been helping me in different ways, because um, everyone has like different skills, different talents and gifts, so they can like help you in so many different ways. Um, so it's been a variety of people. <laughs> That's beautiful, and I was just thinking how cool it is that um, you know, just as you've been mentored as uh, like a little girl and a young woman, um, that you will now be inspiring little girls <laughs> and young women as you progress as well, and how little girls entering into ocean swimming and surfing for the first time will be seeing they too are represented on the waves <laughs> and in the water, like that yeah. somebody has created a space for them and um, has thought about them and has treasured them. Um, and I love that on the sustainability and ethical side that you are thinking about the people producing as well, mm. not just the end results. So has that been um, a testimony to the people around you as you've refused to just, as you said, um, just try anything for the mm. first collection? When you refuse to just try anything mm. and actually go ethical, how have people responded to that in your design world? Yeah, I feel like people have been very supportive of that. I think in the past couple of years, there's definitely been like a move towards being ethical and there's a lot more awareness to it now. 
Um, I think this goes back to about five years ago when they had the, it was the Rana Plaza um, factory building collapse. And that was, that was eight story high and it had like all these structural problems. People knew about it, but if they wanted to have a job, they had to keep working through it. Um, and so when that collapsed, over a thousand people died in that and over 2,000 were injured. And so I think from there, there's now this revolution called Fashion Revolution where we're shedding light on who's made our clothing. Um, and so now, because that was like one of the worst modern day like commercial accidents, um, like people are starting to care now. There's a lot more awareness and like, um, yeah, there's like a big movement towards being ethical now. So I think I'm definitely stepping into the way of the future, like more people are caring. That's cool. And I love that you are doing this out of um, a real deep-seated desire to honour God and honour people. And so it's cool that other people um, are joining that because it's mm. becoming the cultural shift. Yeah. We're not going to scorn that at all. Fantastic. But how cool is it when it comes up <laughs> from inside you as yeah. well? It's just who you are and how you're living it out. That's awesome. Um, so what would you say to anybody um, thinking about going into a new field of mm -hmm. study, a new field of creation that maybe um, there aren't many women in or they haven't seen Christians go and make waves mm -hmm. there before? What would you say to inspire them in those um, pathways? Yeah, I think it's definitely all about having like a leap of faith. Like it is hard at the beginning. Like I was very daunted by the idea. I was like, where do you start? This seems bigger than me. But I think it's when you realize that this is bigger than me that you realize this is coming from God, it's coming from a greater place. Um, and then when you put all your faith into him and you know you're doing this for him, I think you can have a lot of peace in that and know that this is going to work. Like he's not going to take you this far to leave you now. Um, and yeah, just always putting all your faith in him, taking that leap because like it will be worth it and he will use it for amazing things. I love that. So you're saying that, uh, you've said it a few times now, it's a theme, that leap of faith. Is there, um, has there been multiple times perhaps where you haven't known how to do the next thing? It hasn't just, you mm. know, opened up. What do you do in that second before you leap? <laughs> yeah, I think that's been almost my entire journey because this is completely new to me. I only did one business paper. So <laughs> sometimes it might have been helpful if I did a lot more. So this has been like, an entire learning process where it's kind of like I haven't really known what the next thing is until it like comes um and like through that whole journey there's been like hard times I'm like I don't I have no idea how I'm going to like sort this out or like how to fix this but I think when you again like you I guess almost cry out to God like please like sort this out or whatever he when it's his plan and his will he always he always responds um, I think recently of a situation this reminds me of so obviously last weekend on Saturday I showed at New Zealand Fashion Week I didn't have any suits till 10.30 the night beforehand <laughs> which nobody knows um, so my manufacturer sent my suits for New Zealand Fashion Week on the Thursday so they're in Australia um, and my project manager he'd been overseas so he hadn't been overseeing this and the colours like there was a few issues with the colours at the printers, they didn't quite get it right. Um, and so I obviously, we only, both of us only found this out when I got the suits on Thursday morning. Um, and I was in quite the turmoil, because I'm like, what am I gonna do? I'm showing in like 48 hours and I don't really have anything to show. Um, and so through that, like, I guess those stressful couple of hours, I'm like praying to God, like, please, like, 
usually I have like backup plans, but I didn't really have a backup plan to this happening because that wasn't on the cards. Um, and so I'm like praying to God, like, please sort this out. Like, I'm not really sure like what I'm going to do. And I think it was also a very good learning process because no one really likes having those tough conversations with people to be like, okay, what are we going to do? So it's been a very like growing experience as being like a 22 year old to like tell people much older than me that like, we need to sort through this kind of thing. Um, and so within like, they were amazing about it. Like within 24 hours, they had like made new suits and they were jumping on a plane to make sure I had those suits in time. And I was like, wow, like that was a God thing. Like, like not many like manufacturers or people would just jump on a plane to make sure you had them. Um, so that was like an amazing, like, yeah, it was all God. Um, so yeah, I think during those times it's like, yeah, just, crying out to God and just like trusting him because like if this is his will and that's what he he wants this to happen he's gonna like find a way he's gonna like he's gonna make he's gonna lead you down that right path um so yeah fashion we probably looked very glamorous from the outside but on the inside it was stressful <laughs> I really like I think that you are um, a woman who is marked by humility as well um, I like how you obviously are committing this to God. Um, when things go well, it's easy to kind of say, like, I'm praying, and then it goes well, I'm praying, and then it goes well, I'm praying, and then it goes well. But actually, I hear you also saying, um, if it is the will of God, he'll make it work, and if it doesn't, then it wasn't, and I'm yeah. okay with that. I mean, that is a bold statement of faith, because I think you're dreaming big, you're praying big, but you're also prepared to lose big as well, and not get like dark about that yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus it's you yeah. I love that so have you um always been this resilient and optimistic in a sense or is that something that's grown as your faith has progressed mm. I think like growing up I was always like very always been a big dreamer um but I think in my like I think it was during my university years I think that's when I really like my faith really took off and really grew and became really strong um and I think so through that journey, knowing that I was doing this for God, I think that's when it's made it like, yeah, I think that's when I got very, very like, yep, I can do this. I will do this like with God, like it will happen. Um, and I think a lot of like the resilience comes from like those, I guess those swimming days because not every day is easy waking up at like five in the morning and then not getting home till like eight at night because you've been at training in the morning, studying all day and then training at night. Like you have to be mentally strong to get through that because you're fatigued and you're worn down and like people have expectations of you to like get your work done and then you also need to look after your body to be able to compete well. Um, so I think that really built up a lot of resilience which is now like I think definitely come out to play with like with my business and when things aren't so easy and like I think there's been in more recent times because like starting your own business is like when there's only one of you it's quite hard like quite often there'll be like 14 hour days like six days a week and that can be quite tiresome on your like mind and your body um and so there's been so many days like that I'll be just like oh I'm so exhausted like I just never a little cry like I'm so tired <laughs> um but like not once during that time like I don't like this is not this is like not great like I'm so tired but like not once is that like kind of wavered my like desire to do it. I'm like I want to do this I don't care how hard it is like I will do this it doesn't care like don't I'm not worried about how bad that day was like 
just thinking about that bigger picture, I know it's not always going to be that hard. I don't always have to put in those ridiculous hours. It's just to get off the like off the ground, and then I can live a more normal life. <laughs> it will come. So, how do you refresh in those? like long days often when I talk um with different women especially like Mm -hmm. they are doing multiple things in multiple spheres of life and are tired (laughs) yeah so how do you in those days of extreme it seems fairly constant extreme output how do you find refreshment with God on the fly yeah I think like even taking especially this one of my favorite things at the end of the day like you just really need to like fresh refresh your whole mind because your like mind is just like bulging. Um, it's actually sitting outside, even if it's just like ten minutes, like under the star stars, and it's just so peaceful and quiet. And like whenever I look up at the stars, I'm like, oh my gosh, like our God is amazing. Like this is beautiful. Um, and kind of just sitting there and going through like I guess like practicing gratitude. Like what was what am I grateful for today? Like. It was like the sun came out today or I got to see like this family member kind of thing. Um, and I think that kind of like revitalizes you. Like actually I have had a great day. No, it didn't feel great, but there's so much to be grateful for. I like that. So an attitude of worship and that mm. seems to fuel even your design, um, your swimming, everything was a, I've been given this. Thank you, Lord. I, I want to give you so much more. Yeah, completely. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> So you have been talking um, about ethical sourcing, Mm -hmm. and so we've had Fair Trade Fortnite recently, um, which maybe has got Fair Trade and ethical and sustainability things on the radar, we've had Plastic Free July, so hopefully Mm -hmm. people are a little bit more aware of what it looks like to be engaged in Mm -hmm. social justice, especially when it comes to our obligation to others and the planet. But I would love you to speak directly mm-hmm. as a designer, as yeah. a salvationist, as a Christian, as a consumer. What does it mean to you to be ethical and what should our response mm-hmm. be as those connected with God who calls us to be lovers of justice? Yeah, I think that's really important. I think that's kind of only coming more to light now, which um, I'm happy to see. Because I think for a long time, like as a church, you know, we speak about and like our values, like we don't you know, we don't support, like, injustices and, like, um, I guess, like, well, within the fashion industry, like, modern-day slavery and sweatshops, people working slavery in a way. Um, and so, like, that would naturally, like, translate into people not buying those kind of, like, products, even, not even clothing, just products in general that are, like, made in that way in those conditions. Um, and I think it's interesting that a lot of people within the church don't really talk about it. It's something people don't want to talk about. They just want to ignore. Um, because I know, like, a lot of them, like, they don't support any of those kind of things. But quite often they could be dressed head to toe in modern-day slavery. And, like, I know it's still a journey. Like, I'm still on that journey myself. And I know that has a lot of challenges being, like, wearing completely ethical things and knowing where things have come from. Um, but I think it's, like, the little things that you can do to... I guess make a change um, and you know that can just be like buying your clothes like secondhand or swapping things out with like friends um, or I guess kind of like not buying into that over consumption world and buying things that are more quality and are going to last you for years rather than having like a billion things um, that you'll probably wear only once. Um, so it's like the little things that you can do to make a difference and I think as Christians, like I think we're called to take a stand against that and not ignore those 
topics that no one really wants to be aware of because they want they just want like cheap clothing but I think we need to remember where that's come from and who made that because that's a big part of who we are as followers of Christ that's really that's a good challenge and a hard one what do you think Mm. it is um, to be brutally honest what do you think it is that stops us as a body of believers as the church from wanting to talk about practical Mm. ways that we individually and as a church can be ethical yeah I think like I think a big thing for people probably is that cost barrier people just want cheap clothing and they want lots of it (laughs) which is really bad and quite um I think we need to be aware of that like materialistic world and know that um there's that verse about like you know let's not store up treasures on earth because they're going to mean nothing later um and so remembering there's like not like let's not put too much value into these things on earth because they are meaningless like um up in heaven um and to god they're meaningless so let's not to be so worried about having like the latest thing or having lots of like garments or like all sorts of kind of products um and then yeah just being more aware of those ethical things and like let's just have a smaller smaller wardrobe (laughs) um but trying to like pick up those ethical pieces um yeah i like that (laughs) that's that's a good challenge Um, Hannah and I were talking in episode one about um, being able to see others, see Jesus in other people. And I think something that you are expressing is it's not just about um, a moral code or something we just should do to look good to other people, but it's out of love for Jesus, out of that place of worship, out of that seeing Christ in the people who are producing our garments and the um, people who died in the plaza collapse, the people who are forced into working conditions to make our clothes that is where Jesus is and he's with them as well Mm -hmm. Um, a really great um, resource if you're looking for one is Tear Fund's um, ethical fashion guide Um, we have a copy of that on our website Um, you can go to Tear Fund's um, website to download it yourself Um, buying second hand is a cool thing shout out to the Savage Army family stores Um, it doesn't have to break the bank to shop Mm -hmm. ethically Um, It just takes a bit of sacrifice to get into that mindset. So what is something that you do when you're clothing yourself um, to shop ethically? Yeah, I think like a big thing for me is like, as like a, I guess like a fashion designer, like it's for me is buying those special pieces, not having like lots of things, just having those special pieces. Um, And so yeah, hunting out for those like places where you know, like the New Zealand made, um or even I guess I can make a lot of things which kind of like makes it a little bit easier for myself um and addressing those issues but if I make it myself I know exactly where it came from um so yeah just being like more aware and just not getting hooked into that like overconsumption uh, world um is I think like a big thing and not putting so much like meaning and value into clothing and like objects you know they're they're worthless to God um so I think that's like been like a, it's been a journey and I'm still on the, on that journey because it's not easy. It is hard. Um, but I can definitely see there's a shift. There's definitely a shift and there's more support for people and more awareness towards it now. 
That's cool. So there's the um, way that you are contributing to justice, to um, mindful um, consumption, to this um, beautiful spirit of like womanhood in the ocean <laughs> um, with what you're creating and making sure that everywhere from the production chain right through to giving back to people in need um, is something that honours God. And on the other side, if we don't have the skills to <laughs> create our own clothes or um, maybe like price is a barrier and going to mm-hmm. kowtow other places that are New Zealand made um, to actually be mindful about the places that we can shop mm. whether it's second hand or getting something from friends I love that <laughs> like a clothes swap party yeah. um, and how do you think that reveals God to the people who are watching our lives yeah like I think you kind of want to live your life in a way that people don't have to ask like are you a Christian? Do you love God? You just want to reflect that you want like God's love and want to just shine out of you that when you walk past someone or someone meets you, they're like, there's something different about that person and you haven't even said anything about like your faith or love for God. Um, and so I think that's the way that we should live our life. It shouldn't, it shouldn't just be all words. It's like people can see, they know there's something different about you. Um, and like that should just come into like all the areas of your life to the way you like you show up to work and you treat people and like how like you just give it everything you know you're doing it for God so you will give it your best effort and like yeah so I think it can come from yeah many areas that's so cool Gemma thank you so much for being with us I've loved sharing time with you um, I would love... Is this made by you? Yes, I did make this. <laughs> so talented. Um, for anyone who's listening and can't see, she's wearing this amazing... Describe it for us. Um, it's kind of just like a little bit of an oversized jumper. It's cashmere. It's keeping me warm in that awful weather out there. Um, yeah, this is a cuddly jumper. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you for what you're doing for the kingdom of God. Um, thank thank you, you for being a salvationist as you do it. Um, women like you inspire women like me <laughs> and um, the army as a whole as well as we see that it's not about um, getting everyone on the ark and closing the doors yeah. and waiting for the flood to pass <laughs> till we're beamed up yeah. to heaven. That's theologically unsound. Like, you know, yeah, actually, we are called to go out into all the world to yeah shine and the love and grace of Jesus Christ and transform the world and that is exactly what you're doing Um, can we pray together yes thank you Um, right before we pray if you want to check out Gemma's website www.gemmaleesuits.com she's on Instagram she's on Facebook Um, look her up her stuff is really beautiful and uh, more than that and added to that her testimony is one that just shines through with Jesus through and through Uh, bless you Gemma thank you so much yeah Jesus, I thank you that uh, you walked with the everyday person, um, that you shone your love and grace from cooking fish over a fire by the side of the lake through to walking on water, um, through to meeting uh, the woman at the well who was going to draw water for you. And I thank you that Gemma, the water baby, the one who um, swam through the ocean and is now um, creating things for women of the future to wear as they swim, as they... um, do their sports as they hone their craft, that you would just bless the works of her hands as she um, honours you. Your word says you you are faithful to those who show themselves faithful and thank you for her faithful heart. Um, just bless her everywhere she goes and make her path straight. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Gemma. Stretch out. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Herald's podcast. Join us next episode when we chat with Commissioner Janine Donaldson. Janine is an international women's ministries leader, inspiration, Kiwi living in London and hair goals. We chat with Janine about how to stay fresh as a leader when you're tempted to get bitter, how she took a stand for women's rights overseas, and we get to share in some brutal, beautiful leadership moments that Janine says shaped her faith and led her to deeper revelation of Jesus Christ. In Zambia, it's not really a woman's place to do anything about that, but oh man, the rage. You know, it was kind of that one that just, it was like a fire in my belly. It just came up. I put my little baby on my back and I marched down. And you know, you know, one of the things I can still remember was the dust flying with my like heavy tread footprints. Boom, boom, boom. We'd love you to join our community. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash salvationarmy.wm or our website women.salvationarmy.org.nz Thanks to Jessica Keane and the Salvation Army Creative Ministries Department for producing this podcast.